Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast. Welcome back to Bowl Season Daily. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. And... You're getting this in the morning, and it is before 11 a.m. Eastern time. Get yourself over to YouTube.com slash Cover 3, because YouTube.com slash Cover 3 is where you can find uh, us doing our Locks podcast live. Subscribe so you always know whenever we've got a new video or whenever we go live. If you're catching this a little bit later in the day, then uh, you might catch that Locks podcast in your feed. But Tom, uh, that Locks show is to carry us through the rest of the bowl season. Here on Bowl Season Daily, we are only focused on the day, and we do have four bowl games here on a Thursday. Um, We begin at 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. It is the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, North Carolina, South Carolina, these two teams each entered the game at six and six after starting the season in wildly different places, depending on where you were shopping and when you bought it, a ticket on the South Carolina win total was either three and a half or four. The AP preseason top 25 at North Carolina in the top 10. They have met in the middle at six and six. How are you looking at these two teams as they square off for a border war in, Oh, never mind. I'll, I'll save the narratives for a little bit later here in the conversation. Well, first of all, remember, it's our fault they were in the top 10. We put those expectations on them, and we should be sorry. So, again, Mac Brown, on behalf of the media, I apologize. Um, yeah, it's weird because they are two 6-6 six and six teams, but they also feel like very different 6-6 six and six teams because North Carolina, while not a top 10 team for sure, still struck me as a team that's better than 6-6 six and six and had some losses there where you're like, that should not have happened. You know, you look back to that season opening loss to Virginia Tech. It just, I don't, I don't know. It's just, hey, I, can, I can give it to you. It's Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Florida State shouldn't have happened. They yeah. went one and three against ranked opponents, but each of the three losses against ranked opponents was a one score loss. Yeah. So, how does this team they play to their opponent beats Wake Forest and loses close to NC State? Well, I guess 10 points to Notre Dame. So, that wasn't a close loss, but still. They, they kind of gave the Fighting Irish a, a little bit of a push there. Also played Pitt, the eventual ACC champion, close. But yeah, it's it's that Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Florida State, all within the first six games of the season. Three games that at the end of the year, you feel like they shouldn't have lost. Yeah, And then there's South Carolina, which is six and six. But I saw South Carolina play a lot of times this year. They don't strike me as a six and six team, Chip. <laughs> and I don't mean that in the positive way. And it's like you go through their schedule and you see... Like, they had a couple close losses on the road at Mizzou. They had the one against Kentucky early in the year. But generally, when they lose, they lose pretty big against, you know, teams that are, they lost by 30 to Clemson. They lost by 30 to AM. They lost by 27 to Georgia. I just, 
like they had the one the 21 20 win over Vanderbilt so it's like going into this game even though they have the same records I don't feel like they're the same level of team but kind of as we were just talking about there with the way North Carolina's lost to the teams you look at like North Carolina is clearly a team that plays to its opponent so it's going to get dragged down into the South Carolina muck <laughs> especially in this game where um both of these campuses are within two two and a half hour drive and the charlotte metro area is filled with alumni from both of these schools Eleven thirty a.m eastern time kick bank of america stadium and then here we go with the narrative um the last time these two teams played it was in bank of america stadium it was sam howell's first career start it was mac brown's return to the sideline and it was a game that north carolina won north carolina is about a 10-point favorite over under around 57. What are you going at for the betting side of this? Uh, if it gets, if it's at 10, I'll take South Carolina. If it's below that, I won't take it. There I is just, no way that this is going to be easy for North Carolina. No. North Carolina is the better team, and North Carolina should win. But everything <laughs> that I've seen from this North Carolina team and that I consider from the idea of South Carolina in this game is – that something like they get just enough scores that they don't deserve. And look, South Carolina has been a good defensive team this year. I think we can both agree that mm -hmm. the strength of this team is not what will be again. Zeb Nolan in this game. It is not the offense. It is not the quarterback position. The strength of this team has been defense in particular, um, its ability to create some turnovers. And while Sam Howell has actually had a sneaky good year, it just doesn't meet up to the Heisman Trophy contention expectations that we had coming in. Uh, he's got a couple turns. North Carolina's yeah. got enough dumb turnovers in it to be able to make this game interesting. And the other thing about South Carolina we should mention too is you know what they do do? Play hard. And that could, you know, going into a bowl game, that sometimes is more important than anything. But here's another question for you. Like, do you consider when you're trying to figure out who's going to win or how do you handicap the game? Both Mac Brown and Shane Beamer have agreed to have a bucket of mayo dumped on them as the winning coach, do they try to throw the game to avoid having mayonnaise poured over their heads? Absolutely not, because each of these coaches understand what a viral TikTok sensation can be. I mean, I say viral TikTok sensation. I understand it's not going to be on TikTok, but they know that being all in on this would be advantageous. If you really wanted to create some stakes, here's what I got for you, Tom. Take an ice cream sandwich Okay. Get the ice cream out of there and put mayonnaise between it. That's what you're eating if you lose. And now let's see how the coaches behave. I would eat that. You would eat two chocolate cookie pieces with mayonnaise between it. I mean, I don't know if I would eat the whole thing, but you would take a bite. Oh God, yeah. You had aren't you at least a little bit curious? What about a s'mores with the marshmallow replaced by oh, God, mayonnaise? Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's it's in fact now I think it might even make more sense because there's more sweet and savory in there to go with the mayonnaise, which I think will help bring out both. So I think that I think that could you know what edit this part out of the podcast because I'm gonna take this to market. Hey, I I, I lifted this joke from uh, Hayes Permar here in hosting local radio, so I'm not editing it out. I got to give him credit. Um, <laughs> To, he asked Mike Golick Jr. Mike Golick Jr. is on the call for the game. Oh, Golick would eat it. 
in a yeah, heartbeat. Permar went down a list of like 25 items where you replace something with mayonnaise and Golik was rapid firing whether he would yeah. eat it. Oh, or he, he, I, I doubt he said no once. He said a couple times, that's where I draw the line. What, like a like a human baby? Was that where it like, was? Like, <laughs> Golik. <laughs> He's, he would take it on for sure. All right, so we'll say that uh, trusting North Carolina with 10 points in this game when North Carolina's played down to its opponent is a very, very risky move. Mm-hmm. Maybe at 57 you want to go under, but I can't endorse any unders in bowl season the way things have gone so far. No, I, I, if I bet this at all, it'll be South Carolina plus 10 or live, depending on what we see. Yeah. Um, then it'll be a little bit of a break. 1130 then takes us on to 3 p.m. Eastern uh, Tennessee and Purdue, Tennessee minus six. And this is a line that has swung big time as the Purdue absences have continued to be detailed. Uh, no, David Bell. No, George Karloftis. Uh, and also we've got some injuries. Also, we've got some transfers. Uh, this Boilermakers team. You're right. The way that they've played against the best teams on their schedule, that eight and four record, there is nothing fraudulent if that same group were suiting up here on Thursday. That ain't the case. Now they find themselves as short underdogs to Josh Heupel's Vols. Uh, I we're in Nashville, so I don't know. Take that for whatever home field that you want. Over under, by the way, is sixty four and a half. Whoa, yeah. um, is that is that the best play in this game? Mm. I think the best place Tennessee. Just I mean, I just lay them. Yeah, I, I, as far as home field advantage, though, like you know, most Purdue fans are in Indiana. It's not that far of a drive to Nashville, and they do travel well. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a pretty decent representation of Boilermakers in the game. But I don't know if that'll have any difference because, as you mentioned, David Bell's out, George Karloftis is out. Those are two pretty important players for the Boilermakers. They don't really, you know. They've got talent on their team, but those are probably the two most talented guys. And defensively, I think they'll still be okay, but this is a very explosive Tennessee offense that has pretty much everybody playing, as far as I know. I don't know. We might find out before the game. That's the other thing, too. Like, we've been, there's been a few games. It's like you're finding out right before game time guys are missing that you didn't know ahead of time. But assuming Tennessee shows up close to full strength, I do think they'll be able to get about 30 points on Purdue in this one. And Mm -hmm. I just, don't know if I can count on Purdue to get me 24. So Aiden O'Connell played really well back half of the season. Like he went he, from having to share quarterback snaps to really taking over as the alpha in that room. Yeah. But like it was either it, like 80% of those targets were to David Bell. You're not wrong. He is second in the country in receptions per game. The only mm-hmm. one who was better was Jareth Stearns from Western Kentucky, and they threw the ball about 74 times per game. So, yeah, like the entire offense goes through David Bell, which is odd because he's a receiver, but it's the truth. <laughs> it's like when they run the ball, it feels like they're doing it to set up David Bell. <laughs> yeah, it's modern college football for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the 3 p.m. Eastern time game. Uh, 7 p.m. We get the New Year's Six started with Pitt and Michigan State in the Peach Bowl. Michigan State, a two and a half point favorite over under around 55 and a half. It is the Pat Narduzzi Bowl mm-hmm. as Pitt coach Pat Narduzzi goes against the program where he really kind of became a, a rising star as the defensive coordinator for Mark D'Antonio during some very, very successful Michigan State seasons. I, I 
it was so funny on um, Wednesday afternoon, Tom and I did the early edge college football special. It was a full like 68, 69 minutes of talking about all the games that are, are coming up like from December 30th all the way through the end. And someone jumped in the live chat right at the end of the show and said, just got here. Have they mentioned the peach bowl yet? And Tom, we spent over an hour talking about bowl games and picks we liked and giving answers to the picks we had to make. Nobody said a word about this game. What does no. that say about this Michigan State pit game? Is it that we don't have a good feel for it or that we're not excited for it? Because I do think those are different things. I think it's the latter. I think losing Kenny Pickett and Kenneth Walker to the top five Heisman finalists kind of took a lot of the uh, the sex appeal out of this one for a lot of people. That said, I still think this is a pretty interesting game, and I think that it could be a fun game. I'll, obviously, Pitt doesn't have Kenny Pickett, and that's going to have a tremendous impact on the game, as well the fact that you know offensive coordinator Mark Whipple has left to go do the same Nebraska. job at Nebraska. So that's a problem, but at the same time, I just still feel like with Jordan Addison and other – Pitt's still got plenty of guys to have some fun. And Pat Narduzzi in a bowl game, probably going to try some wild stuff. Like we, he'll do it during the regular season. What makes you think he won't do it during a bowl game? And then on Michigan State side, Kenneth Walker's awesome. But as awesome as he is, and they're more impactful at the college level, obviously, the elite ones, he's still a running back. And you can replace those production-wise. Maybe you're not going to get the same kind of home run plays that Kenneth Walker provides out of nowhere. But I still think Michigan State's offense will be okay. I think Peyton Thorne is better than most people realize. And I also think we can't overlook the Michigan State secondary factor, which does a tremendous job of making a lot of different passing attacks look good. So I think that could lead to some fun with or without Kenny Pickett. So it's not as fun and exciting as it could have been, but I will say just tune in. At least watch the if you don't have any plans to watch the game right now, tune in. At least watch the first quarter because it might prove to you to be a lot more entertaining than you thought. What about the betting side of this? Again, we did a 68, 69 minute <laughs> betting show and no one said nary a word about this game. I, I, I guess Pitt, like I would take Michigan State, okay? Because I, I do think that Pickett and Whip. Whipple are hard to, more difficult to replace than Walker. So this line is only at, you know, minus three, minus two and a half some places. And that's because, you know, Michigan State, I think it's got other players missing too besides Walker that are going to have an impact on this one. Yeah, Jalen Naylor is, or no, Jalen Naylor is playing in the bowl game. That's so good. I thought he'd opted out, but no, he's in the game. So that's great. Um, so yeah, Michigan State, <laughs> if, it's, if it's under three, I feel really comfortable with it. I also... Maybe entertain, like, just in case the Kenny Pickett thing does really prove to be a huge wrench in the plans for the Panthers. All lines. All lines. Like, some of us had, you know, Maryland minus 13 and a half in the Pinstripe Bowl, plus 270, and they really enjoyed that. Running it up. Um, my pit call, if you were to play it, is the Michigan State secondary, which all season has been ripe for. Oh, yeah. The picketing. Never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nick Patty is a uh, Nick Petit. Nick Patty. Nick Petit. I didn't look up the pronunciation before we hit record. Nicky P is what we'll call him. Nicky P. 
used to know it because at one time there was a quarterback controversy. I think Nick's been there for like seven years, just like uh, <laughs> Kenny Pickett has. But um, Andy also had to play against Western Michigan when Pickett was out for a hot minute in that loss, uh, the non-conference loss that Pitt took earlier in the year. That's, again, not a confident play, but if I was to play it, I think that that would be it. 10.30 p.m. Eastern, Wisconsin, Arizona State in the Las Vegas Bowl. This is uh, kind of an upgrade for the Las Vegas Bowl in terms of the calendar. Mm -hmm. We used to get it on the first bowl Saturday. Now we're catching it on December 30th. Uh, you know, combined 16 wins, both with Wisconsin and Arizona State at eight and four. Wisconsin favored by six over under a 41. <laughs> this is another outline play, Chip. For Wisconsin? Yeah. Do you, I mean, Wisconsin's pretty much, you know, as healthy as can be. They don't have Colin Wilder. They're starting safety. He, he suffered an injury. So he's out. But the Arizona State side of things, they're without leading rusher Rashad White. They're without DeMonte Tranum, who's another running back on the roster. They're without their starting corner, who started every single game at 38 tackles, six pass breakups, Chase Lucas. They're without their other senior cornerback, Jack Jones, who's opted out of the game. He had you know, 46 tackles, three picks, five pass breakups. And they're without linebacker Darian Butler, who had 68 tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss and two sacks and three interceptions. Arizona State's defense is kind of spread pretty thin. It's a team that has tried to rely on running the ball and its defense this year. It's missing most of its defense and two of its top running backs. So I've, the way Wisconsin plays on offense, that this I'm not you know Arizona State could still win this game because it's hard to trust Wisconsin based on what we saw from that offense all year. We know that defense is phenomenal, but the Sun Devils can't still win this game. It's just I think there is enough blowout opportunity here that I would probably do the same kind of thing with Wisconsin that I did with Maryland. I might look to get them just like at thirteen and a half. Um. Yeah, that would be an auto fire. <laughs> like I just, <laughs> what in the world? Arizona State is being overvalued here. Yeah, I mean, I don't think. I think if you look at the market, like I, I have Wisconsin minus six already. I, I don't have the alternate lines because I don't know. If they might be up now, but they hadn't been up just yet. So I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be on the hunt for those. Tomorrow night when that game kicks off. But yeah, I just don't think the market is paying too much attention to Arizona State's opt-outs. And, you know, so I don't know. Just, yeah. <laughs> Thankful for opt-out trackers and for bowl season daily and for those of us who keep a close eye on such things to give you the opportunity uh, to be able to capitalize uh, with our picks and, um, and, and all the inside information. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Again, if you were listening to this before 11 a.m. Eastern time, you still have opportunity to go over to youtube.com slash cover three and join our Bowl Locks Volume 3 live. Participate in the conversation in the chat. Uh, come and listen to our locks as we drop them. If you are listening to this later, uh, you can find that locks episode in the feed probably around 1 p.m. on the East Coast, uh, as we usually do on Thursdays. Tom and I will be back on Friday morning for another edition of Bowl Season Daily. Tom, thank you very much. Thank you.